Hello, friends, and thanks again for tuning in to Liquid Sound, a show dedicated to music, songwriting, and the creative process. I'm your host, Gino Bran, and we are brought to you in cooperation with the Liquid Arts Network, connecting artists and communities since 2000. Today, our featured guest is Mike Ventola. Mike is a singer-songwriter, prolific musician, friend, and troubadour. He and I have often collaborated in the past, recently playing together in the band Eulalia with Leah Barbeda and David Glover. On this episode, we listen to some of his recent recordings and talk about all sorts of things, including writing quirky chord progressions, the dreamlike quality of songs, how lasers will take our jobs, your brain on music, and lots, lots more. And we finished up the episode with a live studio performance of one of his songs. The first of his tracks we'll listen to is called The Lotus Blooms.
tricks before I felt the call that we've default And I just can't sleep anymore Oh no To find the way The stars have crossed I think we've lost The path that does not stray So come with me back in from nowhere Now that we've seen where it goes Though it's not like we had thought Well baby The Lotus Blooms by Mike Ventola. Welcome. And uh, how you doing, man? I feel good, man. I feel real good. You how know are you? you would. I'm good. I'm good. You look good. Thanks, man. I you look like you make too. love. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you remember what first got you into songwriting? I always wanted to. Like whenever I watched musicians, the idea of that they wrote songs and performed them just blew my mind. I was like, how could people do that? Like, yeah. how do they figure that out? I figured there was like trained musicians that wrote everything and then there was just performers. Like, um, and then when I found artists found out when I was like, what, 11, 12 that they did, I was like, oh, that's wicked. I want to do that. Um, it would have started, I guess, with Nirvana. Nirvana was the first where mm -hmm. I was like, that's super cool. Do you remember the first, um, the first time you ever tried to write a song? Yeah, it was called The Mexican Song was the first song I ever wrote because <laughs> it was just E and then like moving the E shape up to the mm. F. Um, but there was like no really words to it. It was just a chord progression that me and my buddy would kind of jam on a little bit. And then the first time I wrote real lyrics for a song was uh, for my girlfriend when I was 16. And it wasn't that good. And I never ended up playing it for her because uh, I didn't think it was that good. And we ended up breaking up. She was quite elusive for like the months that uh, I had had it written and was thinking about playing it for. But it got me thinking about putting chords together in a way that was like, because I didn't know anything about theory. So it's just like whatever feels good and sounds good. And you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. So that, that was the first time I ever made a conscious effort of really trying to put stuff together. Yeah. The chord progressions that you have always have some very interesting left turns. And I don't know how you get from A to, to Z sometimes. Do you because you said you don't really, th you didn't really think about harmony, or you didn't know about theory. Is that where that came from, or was it from like listening to a lot of Nirvana, where they they tend to do that too? Uh, well, I find with Nirvana they stayed for the most part in like a major scale, and then it, now that I know it, like, and then at the end of it, they'll always have some spooky minor thing, kind of mm. to finish the melody to give it this like creepy heaviness. Mm. Um, so I guess moving from there. It was exactly that, trying to make it sound pretty, but then be like, oh, wait, let's not make it too pretty. Let's get a little 
heavy with it. How I try to write chord progressions is usually just strum some chords. And then the way to get from point A to point B is like problem solving of what note would I, what note would sound good? And then like, what would be the conventional chord to play? All right, there it is, the major. And then like, what else could I do? Try the minor, mm -hmm. you know, move to the six or do like a weird diminished chord. You know, as well as I do, there's no exact formula, but I definitely do like moving chromatically. Whenever mm -hmm. I'm thinking, what do I do next? I just try to move either one note up or one note down, usually down. It's easier to sing going down than to keep going up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then just like, what's a weird chord that I could put into that one move chromatically down that will um, sound strange, but, you know, acceptable. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you tell us about the Lotus Blooms? Yeah. The Lotus Blooms, I'll admit here, originally I had ripped off a Beatles B-side called India. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, India, India, let me in your heart. And it's just the E to B. Mm -hmm. And then he does like a very conventional bluesy course. So the course is completely different. Uh, and it was when I was in university, um, I wanted to just, I'd always written songs that were like, more like aggressive or heavy, you know, as like a teenager. I was about 19 when I wrote that song. And I wanted to write a, a more poppy, happy song. Mm -hmm. So that was the the purpose of of Lotus. And I was I had read the Odyssey in high school and it was about the the Lotus Eaters. Because oh. I hadn't read a lot of texts where there were people taking narcotics and I was the kind of human that liked that as mm -hmm. a as a teenager. Um and then in university there was a Lord Alfred Tennyson poem called uh, The Lotus Eaters that was about that odyssey episode so i was like oh you can put old texts into yours and make it new i think actually i might have ripped off a couple lines from the tennyson poem of the like it was like winding down the gyre gyres or something like that um that same poetic form i used in the lotus blooms and then just again like starts in e so then for the chorus i'd move up to a go up to the fourth um, and then I liked major sevens and minors again, chromatically back down to get me back to E. And then I don't, is there a middle eight in that song? I don't think so. No, it's just co verse, chorus, yeah, verse, verse and then outro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I learned the lesson of, I would always try to play it with bands and they're like, dude, there's just too many chords. <laughs> like what the heck, man? And I'm like, it's really not that hard. Just think about it in terms of sections. But it, there's nothing worse than when you're trying to convince a, a band to play a song, especially because I played the bass at that point. So I was like, come on, guys, this song's it's fun. We can do it. <laughs> so we did do it. But, you know, um, it was much more fun doing with you, Lelia. That uh, was where it actually came to like, OK, this is much closer to what I had in mind of what I want it to sound like. Yeah. What kind of narcotics are lotuses? I think the lotus is like a flower. And, oh. and the idea of it is that like. When Odysseus's crew goes to the island of the Lotus Eaters, uh, they eat the lotus and it just makes you completely relaxed. And it takes away any of your ambition of mm -hmm. like wanting to go home, which to me was like, oh, it's kind of like marijuana, but mm -hmm. not exactly. So obviously it was a problem for Odysseus because he's like, guys, we got to get back. So he, I think he let one of his men take it and they had to literally drag him from the island because he was just so serene there. Um, and then I found out later that lotus in like Ind Indian and Chinese symbolism is a symbol for the flourishing of the human spirit because it like starts at the bottom of like a murky pond and moves all the way up and then blooms into a beautiful flower. So uh, more and more through my life, like my sister randomly got a Lotus tattoo as well. So it just has this, 
incidental residence mm-hmm. resonance throughout my life. I guess I always thought it was like a a reference to Buddha, right? Because the Om Mani Padme Hum is all, yeah. all hail the jewel in the lotus, right? Because right. the lotus was that that symbol for yeah. You know, uh, excellence. I, I remember I, I went to a school with a lot of Italians, and they're like, "What do you mean, like Lotus, like the car, bro?" <laughs> <laughs> you guys call Italians Genos in Canada, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> is that what I said? No, but oh, I never, okay. I'd never known that until I came to Korea. Yeah, Genos and Genas. Uh-huh. I think Guidos is the other word. Uh-huh. Yeah. How do you deal with creative blocks, writer's block, or do you ever experience that? Uh, usually, my creative block is. Um, with lyric, I find usually my process is I'll pick up the guitar and just let whatever's in the back of my mind come out without really thinking. I find that's how the words kind of form most naturally. And then once you found kind of the sound of the words you want, you whittle it down. My problem is always that I just write a ton. Yeah. Instead of just thinking about a line for a day, I'll write whatever comes to mind and then chop, chop, cut, cut, and just try to whittle down from like five pages into like, you know, three verses or something mm-hmm. like that. I usually just deal with writer's block by working on something else. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot of other projects. I wanted to ask you, because you recently wrote uh, a play, a one-act play, uh-huh. and I know you were talking about working on some scripts, mm-hmm. some movie scripts and things like that. How does that different from writing a song, or is it a pretty similar process? Well, I find actually s- screenwriting and playwriting i've only like done it a little bit once but i find it much easier because it's just putting what people would say and just trying to keep it kind of a simple or you like slide in a little bit of meaning here but people get to embody it more Hmm. um i find with lyric you have a lot more like emotional and meaningful resonant like i really think about every word that's going in there um and what it means and the duality of it as as you would with screenwriting i imagine but you know because you're working in poetry it's almost like if it was screenwriting it's more like you're working as like a historian where you're trying to make it realistic and you're trying to keep it like true to reality at least you know unless you're doing something a little bit more out there whereas with songs like i always look at them more like dreams or like a poem where it's like i don't want it to make perfect sense i want it to have imagery and have things that you just kind of float around in your mind and think about and then have like l- small little epiphanies of like, oh, that's what that means. You mm-hmm. know, like like Lotus, I had a clear idea for the most part of where it was coming from. But now when I think about it, it's like, I don't know what that song's about. I I think every song a little bit to me is like kind of like a, a metaphor for dying. But you could say that about anything, maybe. It's just How is it a metaphor for dying? Well, it's like the Lotus at the beginning is on the flower or on the mountain and then goes down the river. Um and then it moves into more of like a human existence. And then the third verse is kind of wanting to move away, you know, uh, but coming back in from nowhere now that we've seen where it goes and dreaming of another place to go. Like um, mm-hmm. I remember playing that song at an old folks home. And at the end of that, um, though, it's not like we had thought, well, baby, at least now we know. And seeing them really listening and being like, well, that's like life. Now that we've been through it, we know it's not what we thought it was, but now we know. And then I, when I did the last line, so dream, dream of another place to go. I remember like a couple old women were like, oh, so beautiful. And I was like, all right, you get it. Like I'm (laughs) talking about if there's dreaming of something else, maybe is what can take you there. Um, But yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's what I think about in terms of death. Do you think that your impetus in terms of what 
originally drove you to write songs. Has that changed over time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely. When I first played, I wasn't very good. So it was always kind of a struggle. It was very hard for me to actually get pleasure out of playing music other than once in a while. I'd feel like maybe 5% of what I was doing I would enjoy because uh, I was very self-conscious and self-critical. And it was all about ambitiously, like, I want to get better. I want to play with musicians. I, I don't want to feel embarrassed if I say I play guitar and I can't play with other people. Mm. And, like, it's funny because I often thought, like, I want to impress girls. But then whenever it was time to, like, play a guitar around a girl, I was always like, oh, no, no, no. I'm a little <laughs> too shy for that. Like, that's, that's a little, you know, cliche. Don't I'm too cool for that, even though, like, that would have been a good idea looking back. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's just the pleasure of playing more than anything. Like, yeah. it's just... I love getting together, especially with like friends. Like I love playing with you because it's just, there's nothing cooler than when you're in the groove and you're in your own world. And I look over at you and you're like in the same, you're in your world and we're in it together. It's just mm -hmm. like, yeah, here we are. Like right on time, right together. <laughs> well, it feels like it's time for another song. I'd like to listen to The Sun Always Rises. Sure. Do you want to introdu introduce the song? Uh, the Sun Always Rises uh, until it doesn't. <laughs> I'm just so used to it rising it, it seems like it always will <laughs> Perfect Sunday morning And you're up All night Sunrise spirals But the moon Yeah. 
sun always rises in the morning Even when the rain is pouring As waves roll by In from the sky Nowhere elsewhere is home Sun Always Rises by Mike Ventola. That's a beautiful tune. That's a beautiful tune. That was a fun group of sessions recording that one, right? Do you want to talk about the recording process of how that came about? Sure. Um, Well, we had gotten Eulalia together, and it was uh, Leah was mostly the one that pushed it. And then Shane has a studio, right? So we when I wanted to have songs professionally recorded because I think someone else did. I think Glover had recorded a song, right? Yeah. And then I was like, all right, well, I want to do that too. Yeah it really gave us kind of the space to really focus and listen back on the harmonies. Cause otherwise when we rehearse, it's like, we do it, we talk about it, we can listen live or listen back on recordings, but it's not, I don't think until I'm really listening to it on clean where you can hear everything very precisely that I notice like, Oh wait, no, that is wrong. You were, you were right. Um, I don't know. What, what, what specifically did you want to talk about in terms of the recording? Um, yeah, just it's pleasurable. It's fun. <laughs> I mean, I like I like it, but I I find my hardest thing is just working on in the clock because mm. you know I assume like oh I can have so many takes it's recording so like if I make a mistake it doesn't matter mm. but then it's like time is money so you really it's almost like more pressure than performing live because if you make a mistake live whatever it's in the ether yeah but if you do it recording it's like well we got to do it again got to get it right but that's that's nice because it really tests your chops as a musician like how you know, how proficient you can be. So when you, for example, that song, when you went into the studio, did like your vision of it change as you were recording it or did it pretty much stay? In terms of the composition, yeah, the harmonies and what you did on the bass was exactly right. Like I was, I had in mind, I wanted something different on the bass, but it wasn't until you played it that I was like, yes, that's it. Like that Mm -hmm. kind of walking and yet holding its ground. I wanted it to have have more of a like velvet underground, slower, trippier kind of vibe. So I want and I wanted synthesizers on it to give it like more of a lo-fi feel, but that would have moved the price range up. Mm. And uh, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. The main thing is getting the guitar and the the guitars on it and the vocals. And if I want to add stuff to it later, I can. Uh, so no, it's, it wasn't the perfect vision in terms of sonically what I wanted, but in terms of composition. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's sonically, it's great, but it, yeah. you know, to when you're playing in a situation where there's no drummer and you're playing the bass, it's like the bass almost becomes the drum in a way, mm-hmm. you know, it's like pushing the rhythm forward. Yeah. yeah. Cause otherwise the song is kind of just like tittering. Like there's, it's more like twinkling up there mm-hmm. than anything really walking it. Um, so the bass, yeah, really gives it that ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I really like in the studio is the collaborative process. Okay. 
Because sure, like this is one of the things like home recording, you have complete control, but I always like working with other musicians recording because they bring ideas that I otherwise wouldn't have had. Like I said, with you on the bass, mm. like I wouldn't have been able to come up with that myself. And now it's perfect. I can't imagine the song going any other way mm. or harmonies that Amy and Jess came up with or Leah or with David or just ideas that the producer has of like, why don't you try it like this? Uh, you lose that if you do it all yourself. Like, sure, you can maybe get your own vision. But who cares? Like what? Like it's great because it's your vision? Like I think a plethora of ideas will probably yield better results than just one single source. But I'm sure that <laughs> there are exceptions to that. Yeah. You can definitely have too many too many cooks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love working with Shane though because he always does have a really good ear for try it like this, try it like that. Like he really knows mm -hmm. his stuff. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. He's a joy to work with. Yeah. And he, and he moves it along. Like, I need someone that sets a deadline. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, that's good. But like, let's just keep developing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it never gets done. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this next song is Wind Up. And this is the newest one that you've recorded, or one of the newer ones? Yeah, this is the newest one that's been released from earlier in 20, 2019, right? Or was it 2020? 2020. Right? Yeah, it came I out think when it I came was, back. Yeah. So yeah. beginning of 2020. And that was awesome. I had so much fun in the studio yeah. with all you guys and like with Amy and Jess and the synth that was in it. Finally, I get the synth uh -huh. sound that I wanted. Yeah, I love this tune. I'm very proud of it. Yeah, good. Good. It's a great tune. It was fun to kind of be getting to watch the song progress as it was written, you know, because yeah. we got to just sit around and play it over and over and over until it molded itself into what it is. I first played it for Leah, mm -hmm. actually, and um, she was disinterested. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, it's pretty. It sounds kind of like a music box. And that's where the idea of like a wind-up music mm -hmm. box came. And then we jammed it at your house mm -hmm. with Amy and Jess and Tim. And then, yeah, we just it was from the jam. And then I was like, okay, that jam is really what made it click of like, no, this song is good. We, we got to get it done. And mm -hmm. that's what lit the fire, which again is like, if I didn't collaborate with you guys, I probably wouldn't have ever finished it, hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. All right, let's give it a listen. This is Wind Up. The dancer stands still and impose locked inside of a box. Holding within to something that somebody forgot And I can find beauty in anything That don't mean nothing beyond my Shining through the cracks on all sides Opening music within if anyone decides What it means to be And everything I'm personally impersonating I keep a lifeline in my foolish heart you go through a lifetime of being apart Still I 
people laugh line in my foolish heart You'll go through a lifetime of being apart Oh, and don't you send waves through the air like a leaf from a tree So two generations pass through and come to before me In generosity is taking me Gets lost being free beyond my Dust floating skyward and downstream to sea Unwinding in endless night on the wings of a dream And I can find beauty in anything That don't mean a thing Just between you and me I keep a lifeline in my foolish heart We'll go through a lifetime of playing a part Still I keep a lifeline in my British heart We'll go through a lifetime of playing a part Oh, tricking my brain to cover up my pain Who's to blame or no? It's us again, us again. tune man thank you very much uh thank you for your contribution to its voluptuousness <laughs> just put a curvy low end on it oh yeah <laughs> give it a it's got a nice jiggle to it now um yeah i mean listening back that song just is so joyful because i hear your voice and i hear amy and jess and i hear your bass on it and tim's guitar and like the process of when we were recording it it started off pretty bare bones and really just everyone did their part was I remember just being so excited in the studio, just like, you know, hurrahing with my hands, mm-hmm. just like, yes, guys, that sounds great. Mm. This is brilliant. Um, do you want to share some of your memories that you had of a uh, recording? Um, yeah, it's just a magical tune, man. And uh, I really love the bridge, of course, because it mm. really just does 
go to a totally, you know, the tricking my brain part, mm-hmm. right? And you're just suddenly we're in this key and it works somehow. Yeah, it's like the exact opposite of what you should do. It's <laughs> E flat, what, major seven, sharp 11, and then A minor, which is like the dun, 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 like the most, it should be the most dissonant thing ever, but instead it just feels like, oh, there's a slight shift. You mm-hmm. know? But yeah, I remember the lyric was, I was hanging out with Amy and Jess, and they were talking about how pain never actually leaves your body. Your brain just tricks itself into thinking it doesn't feel it anymore. The issues are in the tissues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like it's, it's just, you know, embedded in your, in your genes forever now, um, <laughs> until you're dead or you have offspring. But Or you work through it. I'm sure you can undo some trauma, right? Yeah, you know. Go get a massage, like, <laughs> do yoga. <laughs> I bet psychologically, love. but yes, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. I know. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and then it was like, okay, that's perfect because it's – I love when the lyric – it's like prosody of when the lyric matches kind of what's happening in the song of like – like you said, like you know there's something happening. Even to a casual listener, you'd be like, oh, there's – that sounds weird, but yet it fits. And it's key change, right? Mm-hmm. Is the to mark the trick in your brain of like something shifted, but you're unaware of it. Yeah. So let's shift a bit and talk about live performance. Uh, we're all going through obviously this horrible pandemic and uh, gigs are getting canceled all over the world for everybody. It's tough. As somebody who also loves playing live, um, do you, do you think that this pandemic is going to fundamentally change things in terms of live music? Well, I know talking to one of my friends who's a lawyer back in Canada, before COVID hit, they had been talking a lot about the rights of doing hologram shows. Hmm. So like if, uh, you know, you could have Led Zeppelin performing at your bar if you pay $20 mm-hmm. and you just have them a hologram on stage. So I think there was already in the works with technology different uh, like venues of how to appreciate live music. Oh, I didn't um, know that's a thing, man. Yeah. The lasers are going to take over. Totally. (laughs) Totally. But again, there's nothing more special than just when you see you're in the room with someone. Like imagine seeing Tom York in a bar singing. It would just be like, oh, man, I can't believe we get to be in this moment with him. I hope, you know, like within next year at some point we can start, you know, going to venues again and enjoying music like – this virus is so annoying to put to put it down, to say the least. Um, Super lame. Yeah, big bummer for sure. Uh, but I don't know. Like in terms of how things will change, things have already been changing for a long time. I mean, well, yeah. Billy Corrigan, not that I really look up to him very much, said that like if he was making music trying to get famous, he's like, I would just record at home and put stuff on the internet and save myself all the work of touring. Yeah. Whereas like I think about it is like I love playing live. Like yeah. it's so much fun being on stage with your friend and like getting into it. And not that I jump around, but I feel like I'm jumping around. How do you think it'll change? I don't know. I think things were already kind of changing before the pandemic hit anyway, right? We've sort of become more atomized. Our concept of what an event is is different, right? Because we're all spending so much time in our screen world. So mm. instead of collectively sharing something in time, now we've that that element seems to have faded or shifted in a way like when we uh when we're performing a song we're putting out a vibration right we're making a vibration and then the audience is catching that vibration and they're doing something rhythmically along whether it's clapping or singing or dancing or mm-hmm. you know bending their elbow at the bar or whatever it is and then that collective 
energy that we're all creating to get like why do people go to concerts you know why would you pay all this money to go sit in the nosebleed seats to go see a band when you could just sit at home and listen to them i think it's because you want to react with everybody else while they're reacting and then all of that reaction makes a a stew that's like really unique yeah i you i think that makes uh, sense to me and I realized this with with music. It was it's always kind of like you're on time, right? And the only things that are real a little tricky is nailing transitions and mm. things like that. Because the rest of it, you're just kind of grooving along. But with music, more than anything, it's it's temporal. But yeah, you, you're entirely focused on the now. You know, mm. like I'm not thinking about the end of the song when I'm playing the verse. I think about it when I get to the transition. You know, and I think that's exactly it. Is like it's a moment when people are just collectively present. Instead of thinking about, oh, I can't wait till after the show, mm -hmm. you're just all listening to the music and all dancing and all focused on the present at the same time, mm -hmm. which you're mostly not most of the time. You know, when you're working, your mind can be anywhere. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever else you do during the day. Uh, I know you and I have talked before about the idea that before there was recorded music for, you know, thousands of years, humans were just singing songs to each other. We would just, you'd carry a song around in your head and then you'd go to the next village over and you would sing it at the next, you know, at the person there and then they would sing their song to you. And that's how we connected history and we shared stories and we shared what we talk about as like culture now, right? Yeah. So let's keep that spirit alive, man, because nothing's I, better. Without a, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, there's just something so magical about the even just thinking about like if a musician was to roll through town that we didn't know and he plays this, this music that we like like a traveling troubadour that spirit is still alive even in you know modern context where it's not really as necessary but imagining back like you said of of when you'd only hear music if someone was doing it the, the live performance or being able to play and remember songs is just a vital service you know that shouldn't be lost because it's it's not only that it's like necessary for other people, but just in itself, playing music is just so good for your brain. Mm. Like, uh, did you ever read that book? This is your brain on music. No. Well, it's like when you're playing music with people and you're improvising, especially if you're improvising lyrics and singing while playing an instrument, you're using every faculty of your brain at the same time. Hmm. And there's very few activities where you can do that. But, uh, like they did, I think the example they used was like Sting when he was recording, they did brain scans on it. And they're like, yeah, he's using his body. He's using muscle memory. He's reaching into his like lexicon of words. He's using the creative part of his brain. He's using like trying to harmonize with others. Like it's just such a good exercise for your body at the very least. Yeah. And I don't know. I really want to, I've always wanted to tour around Korea. That would be so much fun. Yeah, no time like the present. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was the whole plan. I was like, I want to go on a tour this year. And then COVID's like, oh, yeah, never mind. Yeah. That's not what you get. Mm -hmm. um, uh, well, speaking of playing live, we should do a song live. Sure. So we're going to do Through and Through, yeah? That's right. Okay. Tell us about Through and Through. Uh, through and Through started off as uh, a poem I had written for my uh, girlfriend at the time. And yeah, I, I, after I played it, I was listening to a Mac DeMarco song called um, No Other Heart, I believe is the name of the song. And it just it had a six chord that started off with. He does it on like a synth pad. Um, and then I had the acoustic guitar. So I had written in verse and really put time into the lyrics. 
And then when it came to putting guitar chords, I just tried to put in pretty simple chords. And then uh, when we went up to the pension together is when I kind of polished it off with everyone. Did you play it for her? Yeah. And after I played it for her, she was like, when I read her the poem at first, she cried and was like, that's beautiful. Like, I really feel like you understand me. And then when I played her the song, she was like, mm, I kind of like the poem better. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, great. That's a perfect thing she could have said. <laughs> One, two, three, four. the day and owe it all to you sweet peace is yours and you're worth it too and all your good dreams will come true cause you've been through so much to be here little love which you wanted to you made the gray turn green while you were blue if you only knew I've got mine too But we'll make it through Like we always do I pass through To unannounced for anyone to ask who I think I am as if I had a clue Then I met you to break into song and dance and curtains love is in the mood every time I look at you I feel our love shine through like water always making life stay I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Liquid Sound. We'd like to give a big thanks to Mike Ventola for coming into the studio and sharing his music with us. If you'd like to hear more of his music, he can be found on YouTube, Apple Music, and Spotify. And we will, of course, include those links in the episode description. For upcoming info about the Liquid Arts Network, you can find us at liquidartsnetwork.com. 
If you or someone you know would like your music featured on our show, let us know via email at liquidsoundpodcast at gmail.com. Please do subscribe to the Liquid Sound Podcast. Share the show with your friends. And if you haven't yet, take a moment to give us a review and a five-star rating. It really does help listeners find us. On behalf of everyone at the Liquid Arts Network team, we thank you so very much for listening today. And until next time, support independent music, support your local arts community, and support each other. And we'll be seeing you very soon. Jen, take it away.